Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Man, what a wonderful morning of worship. I sure hope that filled your soul like it did mine. And more importantly, I sure pray it blessed God's soul. Amen. Amen. Hey, so today's kind of a, a bittersweet day, like I started the service off with, a big praise, a big thanksgiving on how the Lord has provided for us uh, in a very significant and seamless way in providing a new youth pastor. But of course, there's the operative word, a new youth pastor. That means we're also saying goodbye. I won't say to an old, but, but to our prior youth pastor, Will and Jessica, Lucy and Nehemiah. Y'all come on up here for a moment. And uh, we want to we want to give them thanks today. Will and uh, Jessica have have served faithfully uh, and well as a member of our team uh, here at the Heights, and of course they've served their ministry very well for nine years now. Uh, they've done that. That is way beyond. I think the average youth pastor stay is three. I'm not even sure it's, yeah, they don't even see a freshman become a graduate uh, from high school. So nine years, he's taken two full generations through uh, that, and uh, we're just very grateful for Will and Jessica and their life and ministry. And I wanted to give Will just a moment to, it's always nervous to hand somebody a mic and say, say whatever you want, but here, here I trust him. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, this is my wife, Jessica. Luciana and Nehemiah, um, they have grown up in the church the past nine years, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, and so uh, we just want to take a moment and say thank you to, uh, to the Heights. It has been an absolute honor and a privilege to, to be the youth pastor to serve you uh, in that capacity over the past nine years. Uh, over the past few weeks, um, my wife and I have spent some time just kind of looking back a little bit at... Uh, at photos, at the different things that we've done, uh, mission trips, uh, youth camps, uh, retreats, all the weekly ministry events, beating Dale at golf multiple times. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been really bittersweet looking back. And, and That's people, not a special memory. That's an everyday uh, memory, True, you know? true, true. <laughs> um, and so people have been asking us, like, what's your favorite like memory? What's your favorite thing that you're going to remember about being the youth pastor? And it's actually... Um, the thing that stands out to us the most that we're going to remember is actually the people. Uh, it's the relationships that we've built uh, with the staff and their families, uh, with our youth volunteers, uh, with the students, uh, the current students, the past students, uh, with church families, mom and dads. Um, that's, that's what it means the most to us, is, is looking back and all the, all the relationships that we've built, all the people have made this nine years so, so incredible. And ministry has been awesome because of you, the church, uh, because of you, uh, the Heights. And so we want to say thank you for that and allowing us. And, and secondly, I wanted to say real quick, thank you to Pastor Randy. It has been an honor and a privilege to, to serve under you. And I, I feel like I'm a better husband, a better dad, a better uh, Christ follower, just being able to watch you, how you live your life and how you lead your family, how you lead the church. And it has been uh, just a blast nine years learning and, and watching you lead this church. And so thank you for that. So uh, the Heights, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Amen. Let's, uh, let's have a, oh, Lucy's ready to go. 
<laughs> let's wrap this up. <laughs> hey, let's have a word of prayer for him, shall we? Father, I just come before you and we thank you for, for Will and Jessica, for Lucy and Nehemiah. We thank you, uh, Lord, for how they've served faithfully before us. That's not a little thing to say. Uh, when a pastor has journeyed with a congregation for nine years and we look back and it, it's, it's just a story of good. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you've done in and with and through them. And Lord, it certainly is our, our prayer that, that your blessing and favor is upon them in a, in a transition that's already begun, that's well underway. Uh, that Lord, that just, I pray you affirm and confirm just all the decisions that they're making, the things that they're doing. And I, I pray they're going to see and experience your smile uh, upon all that they're doing. Lord, I, I pray that they continue to enjoy their family here. And uh, Lord, trust you for all the future that is in front of them. We love you. We praise you specifically today for the Wachowski family. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we have a little gift here to kind of mark the, the day and, and the moment that we want to send you away with. And uh, again, thank you very much. Thank you so much. We love yeah. you. Yeah. Guys, love you guys. All righty, all righty, go. <laughs> Goodbyes are fun, aren't they? Uh, well, it's been a, a, a blessing getting to, to know Will and his family and then just watch his, uh, his ministry flourish. He referred to one of the special memories being youth camps. I, I guess the youth camp, the last one you just led was your, your largest ever, wasn't it? Close. I'm saying that close a second. Okay, never mind. There's no point to make there. But uh, we, had, we did have a, a lot of young people, a, lot of, a, a big crowd there, and it was a wonderful time. And an opportunity in ministry. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I don't know if you know if I've been gone, but I have uh, been gone three Sundays. I was actually here working most of that time. I just wasn't in the pulpit. Did get a little vacation that last week and uh, got to be with about half of our family for that. So good, exciting to be back here today and continuing in Genesis. I'm sure grateful for Rico and, and Jordan, uh, not just filling in while I was gone, but really moving the ball forward uh, with our study in Genesis. If you're, if you're new to our church, we've been in Genesis. It's probably starting to feel like now a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, we started the Sunday after Easter. And, and now that we're in the fall, Easter kind of sounds like a long time ago. And uh, we're probably going to be picking up speed a little bit as we continue to work through that. But uh, sure grateful, again, for Rico and Jordan and how they kept us moving through and working with uh, Genesis, which would have had me today picking up with Genesis 22. And I kind of, I knew about two weeks ago that I was going to have Will and Jessica and the family up here and... I, you know, I didn't know how long, how long's Will going to talk? You know, is it going to be a half an hour or three minutes? I didn't know what he would do. So I'm like, how do I plan and prepare for this? I might, you know, we might be long into the service before I get going. And, and it's Genesis 22. What we're going to look at in that chapter is one of the most significant stories, not just in Genesis, but in the entire Bible. 
And so I wasn't quite sure how to approach that, so I decided not to approach it. We're going to look at Genesis 22 next week. So what are we doing today? Well, we're still in Genesis, but I'm going to go backwards a little bit. When I did last preach four Sundays ago, I was in Genesis 12 and 15. And uh, if you remember that day, I I read Romans 4, which is a a long chapter. I did a real long reading that day. And... uh, After the service, I I got two questions. And it wasn't just that this person and this person asked me this question and that question. I had multiple people ask these two questions. So I thought, well, that's what I'll do today. I I, I mean, I don't always get a lot of questions, and I got that multiple times, so I'll get up and answer those questions. One of them Rico touched on in, in his message, not last week, but three weeks ago, but uh, I thought I'd answer the question more specifically to how it was asked me. And the two questions are, why the name change? Why why did God change Abram's name to Abraham? And then the second question was, in Romans 4, it makes a comment that Abraham never wavered in his faith. And yet we're going to see, you've already saw a really awkward story with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. And another way to bring about this, wasn't that a wavering of faith? And so those are the two questions we're going to address today. And I think the answers profoundly speak into into your life and my life today. As a matter of fact, I hope what we see is our faith, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Deal. So open up your Bible with me to Genesis 16 and 17. Genesis 16 and 17. I'm going to read the first few verses of both of those chapters. Genesis 16. Let me begin in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she'd had an, she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. They seem to have discussed it a lot. I don't think Hagar had much of a vote in that. This, is, this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. Okay, if you would turn to chapter 17 now and look at uh, verse 1 there. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. Your translation probably might say, I am God Almighty. God Almighty is the translation of El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Man, if you, you know what? If you don't hear God in anything else you see, hear, experience at the heights today, I pray you will hear that. Hear God speak into your life right now. I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully. Live before me blamelessly. Verse 2, I will make a covenant with you by, by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. 
It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Okay, let's... uh, Let's start off with the first question of the name change. Why did a name change take place? So just kind of to keep in front of us our our context of what brings us to that moment. In Genesis 12, God shows up. God shows up in Abraham's life. He didn't show up in Abraham's life because of what a a good worshiper Abraham was. He didn't show up in his life because of what a, a good servant he was. As a matter of fact, Abraham was an idol worshiper. He served another God. And here God comes moving into his life with blessing, totally by grace, the same way he moves into your life and into my life. He's not there because of how good we are. He's there because of how gracious he is. And he he comes to God and he basically says, here's a list of things I'm going to be for you, do for you, give to you. And in that list is a son. I'm going to give you a child. In Genesis 12, Abram is 75 years old. Sarah is 65 years old. They have lived their married life unable to have a child. And now here they are at this age, and God says, I'm going to give you a child. And then we get to the story we read about Hagar at that point, 86 and 76, And then we get to the name change in in Genesis 17. It it told us he was 99. Sarai would have been 89. 99 years old. Now listen, we would think it might be kind of hard to have believed when I was 75 that I'm going to have a child after not having a child. But at 99? It's 24 years ago that we got that promise. and, And here we are still waiting for that child. And that is the context then by which God says, we're going we're gonna to have a name change. Now, naming is a big deal in Genesis. I, I would even call it like a minor theme. And it's not just a big deal in Genesis. It, 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 this mindset really goes throughout the entire Old Testament. Naming is a big deal. It, it, it implies lordship, dominion. I can name you. I can name something because I'm over it. Because it, because it's mine. I have lordship. I have domain over that. And boy, we really hear a lord in that first verse, don't we? I'm God Almighty. Serve me faithfully. Walk before me blamelessly. But the act of God showing his lordship wasn't in, hey, I'm God. You better do this. No, his act of lordship is in, here's what I'm going to do for you. And it's in that moment that he changes his name from Abram to Abraham. Now that word Abram, some of you probably have study Bibles probably out to the side or maybe down in the footnotes, you'll see some note there about what those two names mean. I I find that sometimes the notes don't really help us understand that. The word Abram means exalted father. Exalted father. Now you might think, you know, is it odd to have a name with the word father in it when you're 75 and you don't have children? When, when you're 99 and, and still haven't had that child yet? And the answer to that would be no. The, the word father in his name did not draw any attention to his childlessness. 
That, that word father there, it's a little bit, I think it's difficult to translate into the English language. Exalted father is a, a good definition of that, but we really don't have a word for, for what it is trying to say there. Exalted father didn't say anything about his current situation. It looked backwards. It was pointing to a lineage. It was pointing to a heritage. It, it's, like, it's like Abram had a name that said, I'm from good stock. I've got good DNA. He he had a name that said, I come from a good lineage. I come from a good heritage. Okay? So it looked backwards. But the name Abraham very much said something about a current status. It very much said something about the future. It pointed to a progeny, to having a child. So this one who was called, I come from a great heritage, gets his name changed to, I got tons of kids. You imagine the faith it takes just to tell people your name? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing Abram and Sarah loaded the camel the next day, went to town, got to stop by the bank, the post office, social security office. They walk in, hey, hey, Charlie, hey, hey, Abram, what you up to today? What can I help you with? Uh, you know, you have one of those uh, forms, I need to, to change my name. Yeah, yeah, I got, got that right, right here. What are, you, what are you changing your name for? Well, um, so I've got this God, and he's changed my name to the father with a lot of kids. <laughs> what? Has this God met you? Does this God know you? Now, obviously, I don't know any kind of conversation like that ever took place. But can you imagine letting people know? Now, now they are actually going to get pregnant pretty quickly after the name change. But even for a day, even for a week, can you imagine when you've lived a whole life without having to have children? And, the, and man, the disappointment, the frustration that goes with that. And now you're telling people, I'm, I'm the father of a whole lot of kids. Can you imagine the faith that it takes? It seems like that would create some awkward moments, some uncomfortable moments. And I think that's really important for you and I to see. I, I think in a, I won't say a modern Christianity, but in, in, in our culture where we so exalt self, where there is very little higher in the universe than ourself. Whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm feeling, I mean, there's nothing bigger than that. In, in that world, I think you and I can, can love God and want to obey God and want to follow God, but if loving, obeying, and following God puts me into an awkward moment or into an uncomfortable situation, oh, I know God doesn't want me to feel this way. I mean, all God wants for me is my happiness, all God wants for me is my, my well-being. God would, what, so I don't need to do anything here because God wouldn't want that. Ah, I might actually point to this story and say, you know what? I think God's comfortable with your discomfort. And this wouldn't be the only story. I could point to like 30 other stories in the Bible where it's very clear that God is comfortable with our discomfort. The big issue is not me being at peace. 
The big issue is me believing what God has said about himself. The big issue is me doing what God's called me to do, to be what God's called me to be. And you and I both know if I'm believing, I'm being, and I'm doing in this world, there's, that's going to create some awkward moments, isn't it? That's going to create some uncomfortable moments. Now, the good news is, nowhere in the Bible do I see, it says, Randy, run out there today and find an awkward moment to make. I don't have to go out and make the awkward moment. I don't have to go out and create the uncomfortable moment. It'll come find me. (laughs) And folks, that's your opportunity and my opportunity right there. That's where we really live for God. That's where we really show faith. That's where we have a great opportunity to bring glory to him. And that's what's being said about about Abraham in Romans chapter 4. Look at this verse. He grew strong in his faith. Grew strong. What's that look like? What a strong faith. What a strong faith muscles. What does that look like? How do you know somebody's strong in the faith? Folks, I'll tell you exactly what it looks like. It looks like obedience. Don't separate, you know, faith is one thing and obedience is another. Obedience is a strong faith. Why do I obey? Why do I press through that discomfort? Because I am fully convinced that God's able to do what he promised. And when you and I do that, I, I, I say something to myself I I say something to my family. I say something to everybody around me. This is the worth and the value of God in my life. That's what it means to bring glory to God. I'm showing his worth and his value in my life. Are, are Are your faith muscles? Is your obedience showing people around you God Almighty? Is it showing people the El Shaddai that is your God and Savior? Do you realize how big a question that is? Like I could just leave right now and just leave you to think on that and you ought to be hot and bothered the rest of the week. Is my life doing that? Now let's move on to the second question. The second question is very very simply this. Were they still having faith? Were they being strong when they... Made a baby with Hagar. What is going on there? Obviously, that story doesn't read well with our modern sensitivities, nor should it. I shouldn't need to add the word modern sensitivities. It, it, it shouldn't read well. Uh, I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they have a servant. Okay, now, don't read into that what you understand about American slavery. Hagar would not have been in this situation somebody kidnapped, captured, taken against their will and forced into a life of servitude. So don't, don't think of it like that. But after having said that, nobody says, I want to be a servant when I grow up. I want to be completely under the control of somebody else when I grow up. So here, here they are. They can't get pregnant. And they say, okay, go do that with Hagar. As I pointed out, I don't think Hagar had a vote in that. And so we read that and there's a lot here that, oh gosh, that doesn't that doesn't sound right or good at all. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible critics, haters, will, will read a story like this and say, look what, look what Jewish Judaism, look what Christianity is, look what your God approves of. No, no, no. God didn't approve of that. That, that was not God's idea. That was Sarah's and then Abram's idea. 
What were they doing? Well, uh, again, they've, they've never had a child, but then this God shows up at 75 and says, hey, you're going to have a child. And now it's 11 years later, still no child. And so the question is, in doing this, were they, were they giving up on God? Were, were they ceasing to have faith? And I actually want to suggest, no, they weren't. I think they were doing something very natural. They're frustrated, they're, they're depressed, they're discouraged. I would imagine there's more than one couple in here right now watching online. You've lived there, you've walked that, you've been through it. We can't have a baby. And what do we do today? Well, I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but we have some options, right? I mean, we're, we're going to head to the doctor and say, hey, this isn't happening, and what do we do? And, and there's a variety of options out there, and, and we'll work through some of those. And those options, by the way, raise some real moral questions, just as their option raised some moral questions. I didn't say that our options today are morally wrong. I did say they raise moral questions, and, and a person has to work through, pray through as they work through those options. But today, we're going to go to the doctor and we're going to pursue those options. What, what can happen so that we have this chance? Well, guess what? Abram and Sarah didn't have all of those options. I, I don't think there was any doctor they went to to discuss this. And so what they did in the waiting is they looked up and they looked out there into the world at a way people had a child who couldn't have a child. I guess this is kind of the forerunner of a surrogate parent. Uh, quite a bit different, but nonetheless, kind of a, a, a forerunner to that. Nobody in this culture, nobody in this world would have thought anything about what was happening right here. Sarah just looked up and saw an option. Now, was she abandoning God? Again, I don't think so. You know, waiting is hard, isn't it? And the longer you wait, the more you begin to wonder. I mean, think about it. If you have an appointment at one o'clock, I bet by one ten, if that hadn't happened, you're going, did, did I get the right time? Am I in the right place? I mean, you start to question. You start to wonder. It doesn't take any time. Well, what do you think you're thinking after 11 years? Man, I must have misunderstood something. I, maybe God said, hey, y'all figure out a way to do this and I'll come bless it. You know, I'll make sure your plan happens. Who knows what all they're thinking. I don't think they were abandoning God, though. I think they knew God's will, and they're just now trying to figure... You know, we just sang God's will, God's way. They didn't remember the song, Dale. (laughs) Let's all say that. God's will, God's way. You know what? They had God's will. We might think of God's will as a, uh, a, a destination, right? I, I, I want to know God's will. I want to know the decision. I want to know what to do. I want to know where to go. And, and, and we've got that destination out there in mind. But folks, obedience isn't just getting to the destination. It's very much the journey that gets us to that destination. So I think they had God's will in mind They just messed up the way of getting there. God did come to them. I said God didn't approve of this. He made it quite clear, no, 
That was not my plan. No, I'm not going to use this. Hagar, Ishmael is the son that, that Abraham and Hagar would produce. Ishmael, that's not going to be the son of my promise. That wasn't a rejection of Ishmael. It was saying I had a plan and that wasn't it. I didn't ask you to come up with a plan that I would then just come over and bless. You, you were to follow me in my plan. And man, I tell you what, folks, when we... When we get confused, not just about the will of God, but the way to that will, we can really mess things up. Do you hear that? Even when you're loving God, you can really mess things up. This, if you read further in the story, it caused a lot of tension between Sarah and Hagar. It caused a lot of tension between Sarah and Abraham. And it, that tension still goes on today. You want to know how big a mess this became? Abraham would have a child with Sarah. We know him as Isaac. We're going to meet him next week. And so it will be Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, and that's going to become the Jewish people. Abraham with Hagar had Ishmael, and that's going to become what you and I know today as the Muslim people. I would say there's still tension there. Wouldn't you? Now, when I say Muslim, Muslim's a worldwide religion that covers lots of ethnicities. But, but the Semitic Muslims, the beginning of the Muslims there in the Middle East, that would be from the line of, of Ishmael. So we, folks, we need to realize it's not just getting to the destination. Man, I gotta be thinking about God's way to that destination. I read this story and it just reminds me how much I need to be in this book every single day. Not how much I need to be in, oh, I need to be in this book a lot. Boy, I need to be in this book every Sunday. No, I need to be in this book every single day. What day do you not need God's voice this week? What day do you need God to not speak into your life? Because when I look at Abraham, what I can see is I, I can love God and want to be serving God and I can want be wanting to do his will and still entirely mess it up. Man, I need to be in God's word. Here's why. When I open God's word, my eyes see how he moves and works. My ears hear what he sounds like. My heart is melded to his heart. My mind is in sync with his mind. And it is not my nature to see what God sees, hear what God sounds like, move like he moves, act like he lacks. It is so much not my nature that every single day I got to tune in. And that by itself is, it's not like this is a, a lucky foot. I just rub it. I read a few verses and now everything I'm going to do today is right. No, that's not the case either. But boy, this sure gets me heading in the right direction. Don't trust yourself so much. Folks, faith is not just trusting God for a big idea. It's obedience to God in every detail, all the details all along the way. Whether that way will come to its conclusion by the end of the week or whether that way will have to be walked for the next 10, 15, 20 years. God's will, God's way. Now we should sing that song. <laughs> Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, you, you, you are good. You are the Almighty. You are powerful. You are holy. And yes, in that, you call us to things like faithfulness and obedience. You call us to, to worship. But Lord, you also use your lordship. You also use your almightiness to bring good and to bring blessing, to bring truth, to bring a will and a way into our lives. Lord, let me not trust my own goodness so much. Let me not trust my own spiritual insight so much. God, may I, may we recognize our need this day, every single day, to tune in with you, to sync with you. Oh, we need your, your word. We need your voice in our hearts and lives. Lord, I pray every person in this room, I pray everyone listening online right now, will let you speak every day this week. And we'll see and experience what a joy, what a privilege, what a blessing your voice is. Your voice is truth. Your voice is healing. Your voice is peace. Your voice is life. Your voice is everything. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.